Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chase of the Gold podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devin, and alongside me, Mr. Jack Piatelli, one year older, I heard. Yeah, you already brought that up. I would bring it up again. Yeah, thanks a lot. again. Yeah. I'm just, you know, you're just happy I'm still here. Yeah. Right? I, listen, because what would you do without me? Could I do this without you? Probably. Would I enjoy it? As much? No. No, you wouldn't. Of course not. No. We We need... That play off of each other. Absolutely. I need you for my ego to roast me, bring yeah. me down to a level where I'm acceptable to the people watching and listening. And I thank you for that every day. Same here. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the only one. Everyone around me is like, it's a good thing you got Jack there. Yeah. Because you'd be out of control. <laughs> and I'm not surprised to hear that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I am excited to bring in our guest, Max Rosner, the new head coach at Taft. Coach, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you uh, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. We we have a little piece on the site right now on LaxJournal.com, kind of a, a, a peek into your season coming in. But I know everyone will be shocked to hear this. Taft is loaded. Tons of talent for the Rhinos. And if you don't know, Jack, do you know what a, a group of Rhinos is called? I do not. It's called a crash. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. I like to do that with every. Dear, wow, just, just sent me. I'm out. <laughs> It just set me out of my head. Yeah, I learned something today. Yeah, there you go. From you. From I, me. That's really unexpected. Oh, I didn't invent it, but you heard it from me. Coach, your first season with the program, you, you've been around it for a while. Can you just talk about how it is to coach players of this caliber that you have at Taft? Sure. I mean, I think I've been really fortunate in that my transition to Taft uh, came with the sport and help of Nick Bell. He and I. I've known each other for a long time. I almost went and worked for him when he was actually calling. And we are both college counselors during the day and lacrosse coaches in the afternoon and 365 days of the year. But he he reached out when there was an opening at Taft about in college counseling and said, hey, I think it'd be a great place. It's a really unique program. It's a terrific school academically, community-wise. You should come take a look. Fast forward, I'm here and... Last year, he really gave me the opportunity to see the program kind of stepping back as an assistant coach and use me. I worked with the goalies, I worked with the defense, and he used having head coaching experience. He said, I want you to be a voice to our you know, coaching staff, uh, which I was greatly appreciative. Then when he left, he said, I think you should take over. I think you'd be ready for the role. But having had a year to kind of look at it from a bird's eye view and not make all the decisions, not you, you get all these ideas and you say, oh man, I think this would be great to do. But I think you also get a real sense of how much the guys put into what they do and why they are so talented. It's not an accident. It's an extremely hardworking group of young men. I think part of it is the culture, the structure we've created in our offseason that allow them to play multiple sports, but also allow them to progress as uh, lacrosse players we are now at a point where we've done all this talking, we've done all this preparation, and we're less than a month away from the season. And as by my office door, I met with two this morning, and they could not be more happy and ready for the start of the season. But I think when we look at coaching this much talent and guys that are at this level, uh, a lot of what we talk about and a lot of our language is about not being perfect here, but preparing you for whatever that next step is, whether that's going to Notre Dame, whether that's going to Princeton, that's going to Amherst and Bowdoin. We want to make sure that you are using your experience here, whether it's academically, whether it's socially, a lot of it is lacrosse and athletically, to make sure that when you get to that next place, 
you're maximizing those opportunities, right? You are hitting the ground running as opposed to having an adjustment that everyone's going to have when they get to college. We just want to make that step just a little bit smaller. Well, when you were working with the team uh, last year, did you have a specific role? Because, uh, I mean, we'll get to this later, but your, your coaching staff this year is wildly stacked. Yeah, no, I mean, last year I didn't have a role and it was, it was kind of nice where I think when I, you have a defensive background and I would say that is my strength, but we already had a defensive coach and I said, hey, I don't want to step on toes. I'm, I'm excited to just be in the boat rowing with you guys. Where can I be useful? And he's like, well, we don't have a dedicated goalie coach. And I was like, great. I get to work with two Division One caliber goalies. How lucky am I? And I think that was a great experience. I also got to be that kind of soundboard for whether it was defense, whether it was transitioning, like, hey, looking at this, can we do this differently? And I'd say, no, I think this is good. Or I'd say, no, no, no. He can't let someone beat him to the outside, right? Like just giving a third perspective on most sides of the ball, I think was sometimes helpful. Um, but again, it speaks to we're extremely lucky. I think a lot of high schools and a lot of boarding schools in general may not be a place where you have a full staff. And we do. We have four, co- four of our five coaches all live on campus, which I think is is very unique and rare. But to have five coaches who deeply care about lacrosse, coaches meeting today, I was on the phone with the one who wasn't. They genuinely want to support our want to support our program we are very lucky and then you have some guys have head coaching experience which again we're very fortunate in that regard coach you grew up in maine you played at bowden what prepared you coming from maine which isn't known for its lacrosse but really? it, it's 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 come a long way i mean who a good friend of mine john fay put a little mark on it and um, has been a great advocate for for maine lacrosse what got you the opportunity to play at Bowdoin, and were you prepared when you when you arrived? Yeah, it's a great question. So I grew up in Brunswick, a local. I lived 10 minutes from Bowdoin. I was the kid who went to Bowdoin Polar Bear Camp every year. Back then, there were not, there was one club team. And even that was a, a, a pretty minimal experience. So if you were interested in playing high-level lacrosse, you went to Peak 200, you went to New England 180. That was it. Like that was, and occasionally you heard of someone being like, oh, they're going to battle the hobbit. And and I definitely wasn't at that level, but I had a number of people being in Maine, schools where I think people recognize, hey, like this, if he really devotes his time, he's not going to have the multiple club teams. He's not going to have the national teams. He's not going to have all these showcases, but he, but he, if he really cares, he can actually get there. And I had a number of people, one being Coach McCabe, who was a longtime coach at Bowdoin. Springfield uh, College grad. Springfield Springfield guys, there are no. So it was just one of those things where enough people telling me like, Hey, if this is something you want, I think it's attainable. I worked really hard, trained a lot, watched almost every Bowdoin game every Saturday. It was like the high school kid. I would go get lunch. I would go and just sit on the sidelines and watch everyone from Connor Fitzgerald to Jordan Yarbrough, who's a defenseman at Tufts, who I idolized. Right, like these were guys that I looked at and, and said, like, "Wow, could this be me?" Tom Ryan, yeah, Tom Ryan. Hey, like again, there, there, there were enough people who tangentially influenced my experience, and then a terrific coaching high school coach and Don Glover. Honey, yeah, you go um, to where they just again, you're doing all the right things. You're a strong academic student. If this is something you want, I think it's attainable. When we get around to recruiting, I go and visit. 
a number of NESCAC schools and Coach McCabe was kind enough to be. I know it's in your backyard. I know it's not your first choice, but you should visit it. I promise you won't feel like you're at home. I promise you it'll be something unique. I went out of visit, making time. It was one of those things. I wouldn't change it for the world. Some best friends are Bowdoin people. Aside from my brother, every best man in my wedding is one of my teammates. I met my wife at Bowdoin. Like, I could not be more grateful for the opportunity, but you were absolutely right. And the lacrosse experience from when I was growing up is very much different. And like Maine is coming along. It's nowhere near some parts of the world or places I've been really excited to coach, which has been terrific. But I'm very much would still call myself a Mainer and something extremely proud of. Uh, but there's guys like John Fay. I've played with him on Sundays at the Yarmouth Turf. Played against Charlie growing up. There's enough small world pieces of people who, whether it's for people like Charlie or people like me or, or John Thompson, yeah. saying like, hey, you're from Maine, but like if you, if you want it, you can do it. And there's plenty of Maine out there in the lacrosse world now who's made a name for themselves, which is good inspiration for young coaches like me. But I, I also hope it's really good inspiration for young kids out there who say, hey, I'm really interested in, in making that jump. Yeah, I think just a quick story at the map, New England Youth Convention this past weekend at Gillette, I had two coaches come up to me from Maine and they coached a public school. One of them I coached against when I was coaching at Daniel Webster. He was at Thomas. And I was like, oh no, I was such a jerk when I coached Daniel Webster. And he was so nice. And he was like, hey, I want to talk to you about something that happened on the podcast. And I was like, uh-oh, what did I do? And he's like, no, it was great. You asked the the Kobe coach, who is no longer at Kobe, why there are no Maine kids on his roster. And everyone in Maine, we just want to let you know, everyone in Maine was like really happy you asked that question. And I was like, oh, because for me, that was my nightmare because he did not react well to that question, if you remember correctly. But he was like, we, we really appreciate any advocation for sure. sport in Maine. And I think it, it speaks to it that that you've gone from Maine to Bowdoin and now to Taft at kind of one of the highest levels that you can play at. And I think that's kind of a testament to just because you're growing up in an area that isn't a traditional power, you can still make an impact in the sport. You just, you got to work hard. It's going to be a little tougher, but you can still do it. And I think that's, that's just a great message to, to send out there. So you had a great experience at Bowdoin, both academically, you met your wife, so on and so forth. Going into Bowdoin, did you know you wanted to get into education and coaching or did Bowdoin sort of t t turn things around for you? It's a great question. The answer is no. I, was, I wanted to use lacrosse to get into the best school possible. I think I had a pretty unrealistic lens of how strong NESCAC schools are academically. I just figured, what's the school down the street? They play lacrosse. People think highly of it. This is great. I'm now a college counselor and I genuinely immense, immense understanding how hard those places are to get into and what an amazing, amazing education it is. But when I got to Bowdoin, really bought into that whole liberal arts thing. I tried classes. I enjoyed learning. I had experience lacrosse-wise. And my senior year, my junior year, Coach McCabe retired. My senior year, I had Jason Archbell with Richmond. And he's someone who I still talk to every day. I get I have his Christmas card of his Melissa Hank and Taylor in the refrigerator. And they, he's someone that I very much like rely on for advice. And I see very much as one of my key mentors. And I said, hey, I have all these peers who are applying to finance jobs, consulting jobs. I don't want to do that. It's just, I just, it wouldn't be me. I know the past few summers I've coached lacrosse. I enjoy it. It doesn't feel like work to me. 
And quite honestly, I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm good at connecting with kids. I think I have a good rapport and I love learning about the game. And he said, well, why don't you try boarding school? He said, you'd be crazy not to think about it. You'd save a boatload of money. And he said, why don't I put you in touch with some people? One of the people I touched base with when they were at TAF was Casey Dinolfo. It just didn't work out. And he and I talk a lot now. I talked to Nick Bellatrini Pauling. I talked to a lot of people. My world revolves around now pretty consistently. And I think more than ever, the message that people should, it's a small world. Like you should be nice to everyone. You should treat people with the respect that they deserve because you never know in the coaching world where people are going to end up. And uh, right now I rely on those guys for knowledge, for recruiting, for advice. And uh, I'm happy I went through the process that I did. Because I don't think I'll be wrong. But I ultimately, I left Bowdoin. I want to get into a space where I can use lacrosse to improve others' lives like Don Glover did for me. He was someone who like had an immense impact on me. I was texting him this morning and I wanted to put myself in that space for other people. Boarding schools was just the first place I did. I did some intention and some career focus. You're a college counselor and you kind of talked about having that be part of your experience was a little different probably now than what you do, right? Like, that's got to be, I struggle with, as a coach for a, a small public school, right? I, I struggle with what kids perceive to be the truth about going to college and going to play for different programs and what is the reality. You're at Taft. I think the, the kids are probably a little different, but they're still kids. They're still lacrosse players. Really? How do you approach the conversation of, listen, I it doesn't matter how good you are. You don't have the grades to go here or you you probably, this could be a better fit for you. How do you have that conversation with them? Because I think one of the things I've struggled with the last three years is figuring out, I'm, I'm their college counselor. It's a small school. There's not a lot of people around. How? What's that skill set like? What, what What is the most important part of that as opposed to coaching? Sure. I mean, one of the things I feel we are extremely fortunate to have as part of that kind of interaction is, we have the luxury of just brutal honesty, right? In that I don't necessarily need to placate someone because I need them to play. I don't need to say you're only lefty attackman. And I think the world of you, and no matter what you do, you're going to play. We have a lot of guys that quite honestly can be replaced. We have other guys that are ready to jump in and we have a ton of talent. And I think that allows us to say, hey, I understand that you work really hard and that you want to go play defense at Yale. There's a defenseman right over there who's going to play at Yale. You think you're better than him? He's working his butt off. He is in the weight room. He is talking to teachers. He's holding the door for you. He's a rock star in every sense of the word. And you think you are deserving of the same outcome as him. And it's really easy for guys to say, I understand what you're saying. Again, maybe they will work towards it. But it's very easy for us in the current state of our program for guys to say, if I want to get to a school of that caliber, of that station, right, in that league, right, here's what I have to do. Um, the other piece is Taft is not anyone's right. It's a privilege. Guys are applying here. They're getting in, and academics are a big part of that application process. We say no significantly more times than we say yes, and that is almost in large part to academics. So a lot of the guys here are extremely academically driven on their own. I don't need to tell them. I don't need to have study halls, things of that nature. But it also allows us to have those conversations of, hey, you're working really hard. NESCAC schools are achievable, right? You're a B-band guy. 
right? Or you're an A-band guy or you're a C-band guy at this school. But I think we can have those conversations pretty honestly because of how hard guys work, but also who they see next in, the, in, that, in our roster, which is good. Expectations, the difference between parents' expectations and the players' expectations. How do you manage both? Oh, man, if, if, I, have an, if I have an answer, I'd tell you. We, we really, we're open and honest with families. I think we have a very direct line of communication in some way. Always evolving, particularly because the nature of this sport is always evolving in terms of now there are showcases and then there are appearing these combine like events that are invite only. Like there are all of these experiences that are changing and parents want to say, should my kid go and do this? Why isn't my kid on a ranked list? Right. And right. the amount of times I tell families, one, it doesn't matter. Right. This is a subjective list that someone has created that it exists on social media and everyone is entitled to their own opinion an indictment on your kid, not your kid having less value. That's just what that person is saying. And we we have a lot of conversations individually with parents. We talk a lot about guys. If we can focus on what we think are really important, and that's first and foremost, your academics here at Taft. If you can do well academically here at Taft, it keeps a lot of doors open. It keeps a lot of doors open. And then you follow up with, are you doing the things we are asking you to do, and we are hoping and creating opportunities for you in the off season to have that success and that growth and growth in those things. But when it comes to perception and reality in regards to parents, three little kids, and I think they hung the moon. I hope every parent feels that way about their kid. But in the end, I hope that parents trust me in guiding them to say, this is just not going to be achievable, right? Or it may be achievable if you do these things. And even then, you may do those things and it may not tilt in your favor. Um, but we try and have those conversations. I don't know if it's always received with a smile or a thank you. Um, but we do a lot for our program. And I think we're our guys and we're really, we are really fortunate that we have a lot of coaches who are for our guys. And in terms of the players, when they come into Taft, I'm sure you have a post-grad program, correct? Yeah. And how many post-grads are allowed per year? full across or it's per school, but you have so many postgrads for the school and then so many for each sport, correct? Sure. We don't, we don't have a cap for our school or our program. The only sport that has a cap in our league is football. So if we have, we have a PG now who's a terrific, who was a terrific high school football player. He's going to Notre Dame. He could not have played on the football team this year because they would be over the cap. But we, we really try not to bring in any more than four. It's going to create a lot of game in terms of growth development opportunities, but call on a spade a spade. Postgrads, they're a terrific injection, like experience and talent that you can you can get for one year that allows you to kind of operate in this top tier. I think just a bit more consistently. But what we really look for in our postgrads and I would say of all the people that reach out to about town, the two biggest pools are going to be postgrads and ninth graders. Right. Those are or incoming ninth graders. Those are our two biggest we are, we're only going to take more than four. Some years we may take two. Last year we had three. Uh, it really depends on um, positional priority. And ultimately, if we think they're successful at that. Um, we've been fortunate the last two or three years, some PGs um, who are, may come in to some pretty terrific programs. And, and thus far it's been good. Is that difficult to manage with the existing players on your team? I remember I went to the, the Kent school. And I remember 
you know, the anticipation on, oh yeah, who's the postgrad coming in and what position does he play? Is he going to take my spot? No. Obviously today you can find out a lot about the kids on social media. Back then we didn't, we had a name, we heard certain rumors about, oh, this kid's going to go to the NHL or what have you. So how do you manage that? No, it's, it's a really good question. And I think we, we do our best to not over recruit. And I think the best example could be, we have a number of really great 26 polls. I think we got four guys that I, I think the world of, they all work their butts off. They're excellent community members. And I think they're going to be pretty darn good lacrosse players. By the time they are seniors, it doesn't make sense for me to take another poll. And that's just, even if a guy comes and he's from Virginia, Sure, would I love to have them? Yeah, but I'm going to bet on my guys because the one I've seen their work ethic over a longer period of time, know the people they are, despite this other guy being an amazing person and lacrosse player. We really try to find PGs fitting with the growth of our current roster and the culture of our school and the culture of our program. So, again, if there's a year that comes along where we don't take any PGs, totally okay with. If there's a group that comes along that we have three PGs, great. But again, we're we're going to really do our best not to over recruit and create a long jam for development. So it's more based on need than anything. Correct. I loved being a PG. It was kind of fun, but you could always tell there was like some people that were not happy that, that you were there. there. You know what I mean? And maybe that's just that could be me. And I know you're going to say in, it. In your case, I'm sure it was me. a lot of people. It's my personality, right? <laughs> A lot of parents, I think, that listen to this podcast are curious or kind of maybe thinking about testing the waters of of looking at a private school, a boarding school for their for their child at a certain point. And I think one one thing I wanted to ask you is what is it's not I don't want to say recruiting. I don't want to say you have to go recruiting, but you have to bring in players that play lacrosse. We are totally recruiting. Okay, that's fine. Some, some coaches don't like saying that. So I, I just wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt. But what I know what that's like for college coaches, because I was one and I, because I talk to them all the time. But what is, what is that like for you? I'm always curious. I, I live in an area in, in New Hampshire, the Lakes region. I don't live in Lakes region, but I'm close enough. And I went to a Lakes region prep school as a PG. I'm always curious, like, what, how did that happen? Like, how do you go about recruiting players? Like, what, what is your process like? And, and how involved with that are your assistants and the school? I would not be able to do what I do and recruit with the expectation that we want uh, without my assistants. They all have uh, the leeway to operate as an advocate and a steward of the program. And I also think that they want to recruit and it's a strength of theirs and something that they, a muscle they want to continue to develop. But it's also, again, like part of being a part of our program. So we really divide and conquer and whether that means RJ's at main stage and Kidger's at showtime and I do the tour that weekend. I would say right now, as it worked out last summer and how it'll probably work out this summer, I have three little kids. Two of my assistants don't have little kids. So they end up doing a fair amount of the showcase stuff and I'll do anything closer to or things that are going to work a little bit better for the family schedule. But we, we do a significant amount of recruiting and I know that there are a handful of other programs that do too. We say that because there are a lot of guys that we will talk to, we will reach out to. And when you get to a certain point of the process, there's really only about six to eight names that 
continue to come up of, yeah, I'm applying to this school, this school, this school, and this school. And those are the other people that are recruiting. Uh, and I don't think, th- I think those programs are great. I think every one of those schools is unique. And it's really important for us as we are recruiting to convey to student athletes and families, here's my Taft is different. It may be the right fit for you. It may not, and that's, that's totally okay. But I think Taft is really unique, uniquely positioned in that it's co-ed. There's not a uniform, extremely high academics that value athletics as well. And it happens to be geographically in just like this great sweet spot. Not too far north. It's not too far south. We're an hour and a half from New York City. We're two hours from Boston. So we can really cover some ground when it's playing sell schools, whether it's playing some schools in the mid-Atlantic. I think we have a really, I think we are very, we are positioned very strategically to know with no intention other than where the school is founded and then the things it's done. But a lot of our recruiting is a team effort as a as staff and definitely lean on my assistants who are terrific recruiters. But even in our meeting, I don't need, there's nothing, no part about my job where I need to feed my ego. It's really for the betterment of our team and our program. And I said, coach, have you followed up with Johnny? And he said, yeah, I talked to Johnny. Here's where he's a boss. We are really excited and had a really good chat about his speech on Friday, right? Do I need to speak to Johnny and give him the love as the head coach? No, I trust my assistants to get their experience, gain those muscles, and I hope one day I love him to death, but I hope one day he leaves and goes and be a head coach somewhere else. Because again, it's a really, it's an amazing opportunity to be able to lead young where we are as a program. We definitely recruit. Coach, one of my frustrations is in the club world, you see a lot of players, the 25s, they're playing down as 26s. And they say, oh, we're going to PG. We're going to PG. My philosophy is I don't allow any of my players who say they're going to PG. If they're in that 26 class, they play as a 26. If they're in the 25, they play as a 25. If they repeat and they're in the 26, then they're a 26, but not until then. And what frustrates me is parents just throw this post-grad thing out there. Like, oh, it's going to post-grad. And they have no idea what it's going to cost where they're applying, what it entails. Can you talk a little bit about what the post-grad role is? Sure. No, I think that's absolutely fair. And I had one of those conversations with a family the other day of, they said, well, if we were to post-grad to you, and I said, well, you haven't post-grad right now. He's, he's a, he's a current 25. That's what he is. Let's talk about him as a 25. And parents, they, they want the best for their kids. They want, they want their kids to have all the opportunities they see their peers getting. But I think when you're thinking too far, too many steps ahead, one, it becomes really hard to look at them objectively, but it also becomes very hard to advise them because there's too many ifs and ands and this has to work out and that has to work out. When it comes to our PG experience, we are at Taft. Again, it like for, for what our program is currently, it's an opportunity for guys to prepare for the college ranks and going to some terrific schools. Academically, you're going to come here and you are going to be challenged. It is not just hanging out in the dorm and it is not a Cape Quack. You're going to take a research and composition class. But when you get to college, you know how to write a research paper. And that's something I think some PGs are a little struck by. But again, you're going to leave a better student than you arrived here at Tech. The same would apply to the lacrosse piece, right? We want you to get to whatever school that is and understand how to lift correctly. We want you to understand what 
work you have to put in outside of practice to be able to compete that level. And I think our current PGs do a great job of it. They inject themselves in the community. They're friendly. They're meeting with their teachers, but they are going from schools where I think are, and they're coming from schools that were day schools. They went home, they, they talked to their parents. Now they're not being reminded in the dorm to do their laundry. They're not being reminded to do their homework, being told when to go to bed. They really have to manage that a little bit more. Are, are the postgrads that attend your school, do they know where they're headed the following year when they arrive? Yeah, we, we have entered this space where all of our postgrads come in, exactly where they're going, which is, again, where that level of preparation, because we know where that outcome is. Right. So the college coaches who are recruiting them, inform them, we're very interested in you, but we feel academically and athletically, you need another year. Yeah. It's not like when I did it, when it was just like, I need to get recruited. <laughs> Someone recruit me, please. <laughs> And then it ended up going to a different school anyway. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to kind of touch on is just, just so I have you on here and, and talking to the parents as well, as someone that works in, in lacrosse media, there aren't a lot of us, these lists, right? I'm really good friends with someone that creates most of the lists. <laughs> we talk about players all the time. We text all the time. And one of the reasons that I don't do lists is because I can go watch a player once. And I can see, hey, all right, this is what he's doing well in this situation. I, I like to look at things micro and macro, right? I'll, I'll break it down a player like that. And then I'll go back home and I'll look at my notes and I'll watch video of them. Usually all these kids have video now, which is, right. by the way, makes my job. But one of the things that I think parents don't understand, and I, I just want to take this opportunity to kind of get out there, is like, if I write about your kid, it's because he did well when I saw him. And not every kid is a star at every single event. And one thing that I think players should hear, and we've heard this, this is almost cliche at this point. There's always someone better. There's always someone better. There's always someone that's better than you. And if you don't think that, then you're probably not working hard enough or you have an ego that's out of control, right? And I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, when, when we cover preps and we cover publics here and, and day schools, and there's so many different things in Massachusetts, man. It is all these classifications. There's like four divisions now it's out of control. Catholic League, everyone's up in arms. There's, there's boarding schools. There's, it's all these things, right? It's all these things. But really, it's one tapestry of all these excellent, excellent players, right? And my whole thing is I don't care where your helmet's from when I watch you play. I don't care. If, if you do great and you're one of the best goalies there and you play at some public school no one's ever heard of, you're still getting a write-up. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that no one's out to like, say, I'm only going to cover the prep kids that go to Taft or I'm not going to cover the prep kids that go to Taft because everyone else covered them. It's if your player did well in front of me, I want to reward that. Right. I, I want to write positive things. I, I think one of the reasons I wanted to ask you about the, the recruiting aspect, right, is I think it's much easier to evaluate a player that's 17, 18, 19, 16 in some cases, than it is to evaluate 13 and 14. How, just following up, how do you do that? Like, how, how do you see that? Because I think that's kind of the, the underwritten skill here is, I mean, you, you experienced it as well with your club team. It's just a facet of my, my development as an evaluator 
human and coach that that is something that I don't know how to do. How, how do you do that? What, how do you approach it? I guess it's a better question. Yeah, I would say approach is, is a better way to phrase it only because it, it really, it is not one-dimensional. It is multifaceted. And a lot of what we do is we'll reach out to club coaches. We'll say, hey, I saw this kid play. Can you tell me about him? Tell me about his family. What does it work? Does he carry his bag in the car? Does he make right. that beat for him? Like, tell me about those things. Because when I saw, despite it being a very, very, I saw two plays, right? Or I saw a highlight and I liked what I saw. But I also know there's a lot of really great lacrosse players out there. And what those guys value, what those families, families value is different. So we really try and lean on relationships. We re- lean on former coaching colleagues. We, I sometimes lean on college coaches and I'll be like, hey, did you guys ever see this kid from New Jersey? I like them. What'd you think? And they'll be like, yeah, we liked them, but this. And I'll say, okay, that's good. Like, again, there's not one bit of information that I'm going to take as gospel. And we really understand that sometimes people have a bad day. Sometimes people have a really good day. And if someone making that list sees you playing your best ball and you get ranked highly, it's not an indictment on anyone else, but sometimes it's because they saw you at that event. And you're ranked above someone or someone's not even on a list just because they weren't at the event. And that's, that's, that's okay. But I think people put too much stock into what they see online. And if anything, it should be, hey, those guys are being celebrated. They're part of this big tapestry. That's awesome for them. Right. But again, it's not saying that anyone else who's not on that list is less than or that or that person is trying to only cover calf guys. Right. We really... We are going to rely on the feedback from a lot of people to hopefully recruit the best guys for our school, our culture, our classrooms, and our program. And again, truly, I, I totally agree with you in that it is much harder to recruit an incoming ninth grader than it is a junior, right, or a PG. I would absolutely agree. But with where our program is, we have a lot of really talented eighth graders reaching or ninth graders who are going to reclass. And when you watch their film, you're like, wow, this kid, it's going to be special. There's, there's definitely something here. That's when we rely on, hey, club coach, tell, tell me about his character. And can you tell me, tell me about this? Uh, and then obviously, we, hopefully, we can get him to campus. We can chat with them in real time. We can talk to their parents about academics and the opportunities that exist here at Taft. I'm not a fan of the rankings at the high school level. College, you're, you're comparing apples to apples in high school. It's apples to oranges to bananas you know, because you've got kids playing in different schools, different divisions, and so on and so forth. If you, I wish you would go back to, let's say, 2017, 2018, take a look at that list, right? I know in one of those years, the top two players on one of those lists never played in college. Yeah. They were recruited by top schools. But they never stepped on the field. But they were one and two. It's it's a crock of shit, to be honest with you. I think it's a crock of shit. I really do. I I, I you know I mean dude, it, it, I I just it just dude people gotta eat man. No 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 like, no no. I mean, now, now, this, is, now, now, this is my job. But no, but the, the, now you have you have parents who think their kids because they're on the list are the greatest players since sliced bread. Yeah, and then I you've agree. got the kids now who are a little cocky and maybe now they think, oh, maybe I don't have to work so hard. I'm on this list. I'm the number one or number two or number five recruit in in, in the country. But I'm going to quote my son. Doesn't matter what you do in high school. It's what you do in college. If that's what you want to do. 
Yeah. And one thing to add on that, I couldn't agree more. And one of my favorite anecdotes was when I was in, when I was just moving to DC, and Jason Archbell tell me, to, he said, Hey, you're going to be an Under Armour and you're coaching the Philly team. Can you go look at this kid from Hammerford? And I, I said, Yeah, I think he's amazing. Right. And he's like, he's under recruited. He's got some studs around him. I know it's between Amherst and Bowden. I think we can get him. And like, he, he could not. And again, I'm, I'm hearing this story through third parties and through Arch, and I never actually spoke to the kid. But TJ Malone's turned out to be a pretty good player. Uh, <laughs> so that's one of those things where I'm like, yeah. it doesn't matter what you do in high school. and Everyone is going to peak at a different point. And you've got to trust your coaches and you've got to work hard. But like when you get to college, it's fair. Yeah. If you look at the NFL, right, when they and they have the players at the beginning of the game and they say where they're from, what 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 colleges? I mean, you've got a lot of small little schools that I've never heard of that they're they're coming out of these schools and they're playing in the in the NFL. And I think what what parents lose perspective on is you want to become a better player, so you need to play in order to become a better player, right? Yeah. And if you're not playing, then you're done. So my 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 point is, if you're in high school and you're in a and you're in a good program. You got to fight to get on the field in order to earn the right to be on the field. And a lot of kids are willing to do that if they're on that list sometimes. Yeah. I think one of, one of the best, what I like to do, and I've said this before, what I like to do when I go to recruiting events is sneak into the coaches circle or like on their sideline. Cause I, I, I'll sit with the parents sometimes. So that's funny too, but I do like to sit with the college coaches and just listen. I don't say anything. I just sit there. The one thing that happened this past season, and I'm going to tell you this, that I heard that was the best thing I heard was two coaches talking about one kid, giant kid. I'm not even going to say what events, just giant, looked, looked the part, moved well, had all these things. And he just, he, he nudges the guy next to him. He's friends with me. He goes, yeah, big, not good, right? Big, not good. And the guy's like, big, not good. Like, that's like the language they're using to describe Kids that are, that are, have, they have all these, it, they look it, right? But you can look it all you want. You can have all the, all the drip you want, man. But if, if you can't deliver or you can't switch your hand in a certain situation or you can't get the ball to a place it needs to be when you should be able to make that pass, that's noticed too. It's not just, I'm on a list. Do you know what I mean? And perfect yeah. example is I, I went to a winner showcase. And I'm watching the kids play, and there's one kid on the entire list. And he, he's the only one that doesn't have a club team. And I'm watching, and I'm like, how does that make him different for a second? And I watched, like, an entire half. I just watched him for an entire half. And you can see that he has all the tools physically, but it's the development up here that just needs that little bit of, you need to turn that up a little bit. And that's what I think is a big separator between players is, is like you were saying, players play. You go out and you want to play, you're going to find a place that fits you, whether it's a prep school or a college, anywhere in your journey, somewhere will fit you. There's enough prep schools out there that it'll fit. It might not always be Taft, but if it is, you're probably pretty lucky just to be there. And you have to realize you have to work even harder to stay there and to get on the field. No, I think it's, I think it's absolutely right. And I have a phone call. 25 reclass 26 from British Columbia the other day. And he was reaching out. He's like, tell me about Taft. And I said, hey, listen, 
are 26 defensive classes stacked. And I, and I think the world of them, you seem terrific. And I think your highlights are great. Here's who you should reach out to based on what you've told me about your family situation, what you're looking for. These are coaches that I know will look out for you. They're going to support you just like I would. But they're just your timing for coming to Taft. It doesn't work. And it's not like, not anything you did wrong, but I think you're totally right. Those who want to play, there will always be a home as long as you are realistic and you're looking for the right reasons. You're not just looking because we have cool helmets or because we put things on social media. Last question for me. Again, it's about the parents and maybe a little bit about the players, but players and parents, do they expect to end up at a NESCAC or an Ivy? Because those are the schools you mentioned when they come to Taft. Is it a, a major letdown or they the, that they don't end up there? Obviously, there are other great schools other than the NESCACs and the Ivies for academic and athletic purposes. No, absolutely. There's ton of amazing schools out there. One of my favorite parts about being a college counselor, there's a lot of amazing schools that you'd never heard of because of regional bias, because of rankings or what have you. But I think a lot of families intentionally are looking to because of where our matriculation list is and where our recruits, where our guys are being recruited. I also think that speaks to the academic caliber of our guys. Uh, my job as a college, as a high school coach and speaking to college coaches is extremely easy because all of our guys have really good grades. Right. You need to sell anyone and more often than not, just say, hey, this kid is taking BC Calc. He's taking the tutorial with the physics team. This kid works. And yeah. again, I think he's going to pan out as a player because of these things. But that's why I think you could take a chance on a tap kid. Right? And that's an SCAX will say, like, this is a B-man student we're going to go after. Or this is an A-man kid who maybe lacrosse-wise is not exactly what we're looking for, but he's going to be a stud in our community. So I think there's an element of our players work so hard in the classroom that those are the schools that they truly gravitate towards. But like, again, we, I have nothing against schools outside of that. I just think there are a lot of, a lot of our students come with the, with the hope that they can play at those schools. And I think in our current model, and just how our curriculum challenges people to grow, they're able to get there. But I think if we had a player come who's a terrific fit in our community and they wanted to go to a school, they wanted to go to Bucknell, they wanted to get, like, there are a whole lot of amazing schools out there that reach out about our kids. But again, I can only advocate for them and communicate as an in-between. But we really just want our kids to get great education and go to the best school that, for them in terms of the experience that they're looking for where they can be successful. Coach, when you and I spoke earlier this week, uh, we were talking about last season you go 15 and two and it's, it's, it's a great season, right? And this season, I asked you what your expectations were and you're like, listen, we could go 13 and four, but we don't want to go 13 and four. That's not what we expect. We want to win all. You basically just stop short of saying we want to win all of our games, but I got that kind of feel from you. Do you think that places a lot of pressure on you and the kids, or do you just think that the expectations are already there and you're just going to execute? It's you talked a lot about installs and execution, which I mean, sounds like a, a Delta force operation. You know what I mean? Like it sure. is, how do you feel about that going forward into, into 2024? I know. I think the pressure will always be there for the top teams. Uh, I think if you have X number of committed guys, the expectation is you will do well. Right? That is just, the, the standard bar that you are placed at. I think for our guys, they work really hard, right? In their off-season development, 
and what they're doing physically in the weight room and meeting with coaches to say, hey, here's where I see my season going and, and we're realistic about it. here's where we think your role is on the team. But I think you, you don't come to be a Taft to be the superstar. You come to play a Taft to be part of a successful program, education, and play really top-tier talent. I think when we look at what our season schedule looks like, yeah, we have high expectations. I don't think it'd be any fun if we just said, ah, we'll just roll out the sticks and balls and yeah, we'll see what happens, right? Like, we want to have goals. We want to work towards them. I think if we are playing our best ball, we are pretty dang hard. Like, just top to bottom. We got, we have all the pieces. And any coaches, like, we got face-off unit. We got a goalie room. We got lefties. We got righties. We got some real supreme athletes. We got some selfless guys who are demons. We really have a great mix. And then I think you take that and you say a lot of those core pieces are juniors and seniors that really, I would not say any of us are saying the goal is to be 16 or 17. And the goal is to play to our potential and have all of the guys buying in and doing their job. And I think if we can do what a lot of covers season, if we can do your job in the ride in the clear, if you can do your job, if you're a man down guy, you can really buy into that. And like, that is your contribution. We're going to be pretty tough to beat. I think those pressures will always be there for any team is, has a significant number of guys. But again, these guys would not be choosing to come to tap if they were scared of that pressure or didn't want. That's an experience they're seeking because that's what they're going to get in college. That will be the expectation when you get to the Ivy League, when you get to wherever it is, expectation is to win and prepare in the offseason to win. Good point. Very good point. Coach, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I promise you you'd have fun. Did you have fun? I had a blast. Thank you. Awesome. Guys. I appreciate it. Well done, Coach. Tell Don Glover, my former teammate, I said hello, please. Oh, I'll tell I'll tell G-Love you said hello. Yeah. Well, yeah. The more people I know, it yeah. seems a lot of people know. A lot of people went to Springfield. Yeah. Glover. Yeah. A lot of people went to Springfield after I did. <laughs> they all know who you are. Hey, good luck. Very nice meeting you. Nice talking with you, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. And Take thanks care. again for listening to New England the Cross Turtles, Chasing the Goal podcast. For Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Devitt. We'll see you next time.